out to Biombo. Back to Paul. Paul against Green. Fade away. 18-footer up good. Chris Paul hits his first field goal in three tries. Now, you might be asking yourself, why the heck did Murata just play a soundbite of Chris Paul hitting a jump shot that cut the Dallas lead to 17 points in the second quarter? I know why. Why, Bick? I know why. Tell him why, Vinny. Because that was the only shot Chris Paul made last Ow! night. One field goal in the Suns' uh, opening night win over Dallas. There's a couple different ways to feel about this. Yeah. As a continuation from last year, there's probably concern. This has happened before. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul has had four games now as a Phoenix Sun where he's had one basket or less in a game. Doesn't seem like that many, but they're 3-1 and one in those games. But let's focus on the concern part of it. Okay. The way Chris Paul ended up um, the New Orleans series with one of the all-time memorable playoff games ever, going 14 of 14 from the field. Mm -hmm. Games one and two of Dallas, I still remember distinctly having the conversation at that point of the NBA playoffs, Chris Paul was probably the league-wide playoff MVP if that was a thing. He was. Well, he was. At that point in time, he was. That scene in New Orleans was... It was. It went beyond even being perfect from the field. It was just him reuniting with these stadium workers that he remembered from 15, mm-hmm. 16 years ago. And it was just this, it was this Chris Paul civic embrace that it was like, wow, this is all finally coming together for him. Yeah, but um, after that point, game three of the Dallas series... It ended differently, and Chris Paul was under the microscope again and didn't play well in those games. So to see him come out and have a a game where he's got one basket, even though they won, but I think even more importantly, Bick, you know, all the talk going into the season was we're going to rely less on Chris Paul. We're going to rely on others to bring the ball up. We saw that last night. Chris Paul was not in the game. In clutch time. Okay, this is this is yeah, this is this is the lead item that we need to get to. So uh, here we are in the fourth quarter of a basketball game. Chris Paul last year and throughout his career, one of the best closers in the game. When we looked at those clutch time minutes and clutch time performances of the Suns last year, when they were what thirty one and f- whatever it was, they were just incredible in clutch time. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul was a big deal, a big part of that. Monty Williams took him out of the game. The Suns were down by twelve. When he came out, I believe so. Down yeah. by twelve when he came out, and he never got back into the game, and and part of it was because campaign brought a twitch, brought some energy, did a good job, basically playing in Chris Paul's stead. He didn't want to break up that rhythm, but again, it's Chris Paul. Yes, and Monty Williams knows that when you do that, that's a big deal. So I think the big, I think there's two questions here, because I've seen Chris Paul start seasons. Not in optimum shape. And, and uh, 10, 15 games into the season, suddenly suddenly he's got that quickness. Pretty much his time with the Suns is he sort of works himself. He works his, his way yeah. into season. Which is why the Suns have sort of started kind of slow yeah. over the last couple of years. Yes, there's but, a truth to this. So this may just be what we're seeing, but last night looked a little alarming to me. Because there just seemed to be a lack of that juice, like we saw at the end of last year. Yeah, but but I, so so that's we're gonna find out about that. I'm not gonna trip about that. Chris Paul puts in the work. You know, if he's slowing down, well, you know what? It's gonna happen to everybody at some point. Yes, in time. but you can't doubt his preparation. He know no. he knows what he's no. doing. But no, about- but the bigger thing, Vinny, to me, is the change in Monty Williams. Yes, he was asked after the game, hey. 
Chris Paul was out. You left him on the bench. Why was that? Well, that's normally where I take him out anyway. So I usually give him a three-minute break, and then I bring him in to close. Um, that, that's been the rotation for us. But Cam came in. We had like a, a good rhythm, and I just felt like it was – the move to just stay with Cam, you know, um, and Chris was engaged and telling guys, you know, it was almost like he was out there, but it was really his time to come out. I tried to get him out around the seven, six and give him a, about three minutes rest and then have him come in and close. Uh, Cam did such a good job uh, with that group. That group as a whole was pretty good on both ends. And so I just rolled with it. And bench players who did not play well in the first half did show up. Damian Lee campaign, most notably in yeah. the second half. Um, and there's two ways to look at this again. Are, are you look at it? Do you look at it as concern about Chris Paul or do you look at it and say, wow, the Suns wanted to be less reliant on Chris Paul, and they were able to accomplish that in Game 1. Now, yeah. this is not going to be a pattern. Monty said that wasn't premeditated. He was reading the situation, uh, and, and it worked out. But there, there's concern, but there's also optimism. I, and, and that was one of the things I walked away with, with last night from leaving the arena was they did that without Chris Paul. And they did it without Cam Johnson, yeah, but, too. Two of their, I don't two know how wide that would be. Would be on I, don't, the floor. I don't know, but that's just one game. I, I, I think before you feel optimistic about it, you've got to just know that this is something that, that they can continue to do. See, to me, I think the bigger question is just it has time caught up to Chris Paul? Well, I, I, here's why I, I look at it as optimistic. optimistic. Go back to when things went south against Dallas. Even go back to the finals against Milwaukee. There were times in crucial situations in both those series where everybody in a Suns uniform was looking at one of two guys to save them. And it was Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And yeah. if they didn't do it, nobody yeah. else was doing no, it. I know. I know. I mean, I'm not, I didn't leave that game being that much more confident in campaign and thinking he should get more minutes subbing in for Chris Paul. I mean, it, it, he, he finished off the game with the team when the team was doing well, but he didn't have a, such a great game, and he did not have a good first half. I mean, I, I, I'm still thinking that they're very thin uh, they, listen, the, at the, the backup the, point yeah, guard, the, especially without Shamit. The bench really, really concerns me. That was one of my big, one of my big negative takeaways last night was talent-wise. I, 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 near the end of last night's game, after just watching kind of what was going on in the Western Conference and some other teams— I don't know if I don't have the Suns at six right now after one game. If I had a power ranking after one basketball game, I think I'd park the Suns six in the Western Conference right now based on their based on the lack of bench. What we saw from Damian Lee last night's very that's exciting to me because that is a player new mm-hmm. comes with a lot of recommendation comes with the Golden State culture. In fact, Devin Booker even tipped his cap to the Warriors saying thank you for producing that guy who was able to shoot those shots in an end game situation. But that was we, a- knew we had it in him, but. Can he sustain that? That was all a burst in about a five-minute yes. stretch, too. Yeah, it wasn't I, like he was great the whole no, game. No, and as Sarah pointed out, too, the, you used the perfect adjective when you said he muscled up that shot, that fadeaway. You could tell the kid was in his zone when he makes that. That's a very difficult shot. Okay, so it, when you look at these guys that we saw last night, a Kogi, and again, if, if Landry Shamit's around, maybe it's different. Landale, how many of these guys can play consistent roles coming off the bench and give you good stuff consistently. I worry about that. Jock was okay, but then instant foul trouble. Instant, and they mm-hmm. had, I mean, their bigs had nine fouls in the first half. There was whistles every time down the floor. Yeah. Um, 
My concern with the bench right now, and you mentioned a Kogi, I'll put Tory Craig in that mix. I'll put Bismack Biombo in that mix. And that is guys that aren't necessarily great two-way players. No. All those guys can bring it defensively, mm-hmm. but can you rely on them to, to put the That's ball point. to put the ball in the That's hole? That's what killed them in the second quarter. And when you look at the way Dallas was structured and and when they were rolling, you're like, wow, look at the look at the way they're constructed yeah. with that modern roster of mm-hmm. guys that are six five to six nine. And exactly. They can, they can D and they exactly. can shoot the three. The Suns are not equipped with a, a wealth of that right no. now. So I'm I'm really happy that the Suns fought their way through it. I thought Devin Booker was really solid from the get gate. He was really the only guy who had showed up in the first half. As you pointed out, I'm happy that DA was able oh. to put together a good second half because you know, you didn't want him to get off on that kind of start. He couldn't get started. Three fouls in seven minutes. And you're like, oh, here we go. Here they're going go to marginalize him. He got one foul in the second half. He played all but, I think, 55 seconds of the second half. And he was really good. Yeah. And McHale played 41 minutes. That's a heavy load. Yeah, that again. And I and I loved what I saw from him offensively. Yeah, Not he, like he had a big scoring game, but he was he so cut to the aggressive basket driving times, to the hoop yeah. Yeah. on the dribble, mm-hmm. which we haven't seen yep. a ton of. Um, so there was good, there was bad. Yep. Hey, you'd rather walk out of it with concerns. Yeah, in and the a end, win. it's a win. Yeah. In the end, it's in the end, this is a successful night uh, a, because I think perceptually, whatever is coming for this basketball team, no matter your level of concern, at least they answered the bell in the second half because uh, that game was starting to look just like Game Seven last year. So I'm, oh. I'm very appreciative of that. It felt a lot like Game Seven. I'll be honest with you. Coming up next, the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Saints tonight on Thursday Night Football. There's pressure to get a win, but more pressure on one man more than anybody. We'll tell you who that man is next. Pickley and Murata mornings, live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's the coaching. Okay, you can't pay a guy the type of money that you paid to Kyler Murray and not be able to protect him, not be able to understand what to u- how to utilize him. This is the National Football League. This is not SMU playing Texas Tech. This is not Lubbock, Texas. This is the National Football League. When you have a quarterback that you pay this type of money to and he is your running back, essentially, what you have him doing on third and fourth down is go try to get us the first down, run around. No adjustments. He looks lost at times as a head coach on the sideline. He is in over his head. And and look, I'm not calling for the man's job. It ain't my job to call for his job. But I do know that Steve Wilkes, black or white, got fired after one year. You never gave him an opportunity that you've given Cliff Kingsbury sitting at 26, 28, and 1. And you extended him another five years at close to $6 million a year. Um. Yeah, there's some some ground covered by Keyshawn Johnson yeah. of ESPN Radio there. I, I mean, we could start with the the back part of that. Are, are the national media still going back to the Steve Wilkes example? I'm pretty sure the national media wasn't paying attention to a three win Cardinals team in 2018 to know how bad and how ill prepared yeah. and how mm-hmm. uh, disorganized that football team right. was. Yeah, but but I get, but the the point is is all of that is true and all of that has been true about this guy too at times and this guy gets all the 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 chances and all the opportunity and all the time. Yes. So but- so I, I I do understand why the fact that Steve Wilkes has been chosen to be the interim guy in Carolina I think makes that 
that fair game again. But again, we don't need to we don't need to debate that. That's, I mean, I haven't the looked, job Steve Wilkes did in Arizona. That was how many? It was four years ago. It was, but I also don't. I haven't looked at the Carolina Panthers coaching staff to see if they had any other interim head coaching candidates who had experience. Mm-hmm. He might have been the only guy for that job, and it's not going to end well. By and I don't think it's Steve Wilkes' fault. That's a that's a bad football team and a bad roster yeah. in Carolina. Yeah. Um, the other parts of that from from. Keyshawn Johnson on Cliff Kingsbury. Look, Cliff Kingsbury's under a ton of pressure. And the subject of pressure is now talked about more after that performance in Seattle. I thought, you know, even after a loss against Philadelphia, there was kind of a good feeling moving forward. Like, hey, the Cardinals played a competitive game against a really good football team, and then they followed it up with that garbage they put out there last week. It's getting loud right now to the point where Cliff Kingsbury – Acknowledged, was asked about and acknowledged, hey, whatever it takes to win, I will do that. If that means giving up play calling, I will do that to uh, win football games. Now, there were some follow-up questions with Cliff Kingsbury on that yesterday. Um, you know, how far has that gone? Are you just answering a question or has there been discussion? I mean, we have not had that conversation with upper management, if you will. But like I said, if there is a better way to do it, I'm always open to it. And, and after six games, um, we have not played good enough. And I understand that. And everybody else does. So um, everything's on the table. If the Cardinals- okay, I, and, and I respect that because I do think if the Cardinals struggle tonight, that is that is the intermediary step to take. Is is to see if a new set of eyes, as you have said many times, yeah. a fresh set of eyes can make a little more sense out of this offense and this quarterback. But do you think? I mean, you said you use the word struggle. I think it's struggle and lose. I think finding a win of any variety or any style or any fashion tonight is of the utmost importance for the Cardinals. If it's seven to six, getting a win quiets that a little bit. But if they if they lose and it's Ugly offensively again. Wow. You know what we're going to be talking about next week leading up to that game against Minnesota? Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about somebody else calling plays. It, I, well, I truly believe listen, that. If we were in any other market, this man would be coaching for his job tonight. That That is not true here, only based on the disproportionate faith that they have put in this man going forward with the contract extension. But yes, you're right. I, I'm the, sorry. The offense is it's just broken. This market didn't didn't offer that contract extension. Michael Bidwell offered right. the contract. That's extension. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and no, I'm not. It, it's nothing to do with the yeah. market. You're right. But I'm saying any other football, any other owner, put it that way. For what it's worth. Um, the odds for first coach, fi- next coach fired in the NFL, two different sites I've seen it. Cliff is number one on those yeah. odds for what it's and, worth. Well, well, I'll tell you what it's worth. It's 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 the thing where clearly Michael Bidwell does not want to fire him or Steve Kime. That's pretty obvious. But if it gets so bad and so loud that your customers and your fan base are revolting because they think your team is revolting. See what I did there? Hey, hey. Shut up, Jared. Hey, hey. If, if they think that, and it gets to the point that that can, the fans and they're disgruntled. Is anybody gruntled, by the way? I well, when prob- they're disgruntled, I would say right I, now I'm properly gruntled. Uh, I've been, <laughs> Fully gruntled. Just stay encumbered, Jared. <laughs> so <laughs> the um, the thing 
So the, what they probably would do is the old move. After this, I think you're right. I don't think the next move would be to fire him. It would be to fire the offensive coordinator. Yeah. That's what we usually yeah. see. Yeah. Which in this case, the equivalent would be him. taking away the play call. Right. Abilities. And that's and listen, I, I I think it would I think it needs to happen. I think it's already needed to happen. I understand what Cliff Kingsbury thinks. This has been my reality. This is why people have thought that I'm special. This is why I keep getting jobs. Mm-hmm. But I I I think either Cliff Kingsbury struggles with what he thinks is his strength or his quarterback is holding him back. And I I don't think you could even have that conversation anymore. Because if you've paid the quarterback the amount of money the Cardinals have paid the quarterback, you got to fix them. Yeah, yeah, well, and who are you siding with? If things get real ugly, uh-huh. sorry, Cliff. Your salary doesn't count against the cap. Right. You, you ha- I mean, at this point, they've they, they've... Financially sided with, yeah. with Kyler Murray. Uh huh. Yeah. But Jared brings up a great point, and that's why this is so interesting here in Arizona. And we've talked about this since day one. Cliff Kingsbury got this based on his offensive mind, his play calling acumen. He's never had anybody. There, there's teams that have offensive and defensive coordinators in name only. It's really the head coach running the show, but they still have the title. They've never even given that title to anybody else. <laughs> so you're, you know, the closest thing is the the elevation this year of the what the offensive line coach that they now. Yeah, I mean, but he's not he's not a full offensive coordinator. No, and okay. even Spencer Whipple and Cam Turner are co passing game coordinators. Cam, 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 Thomas Turner, <laughs> Cam. Okay, um, here's the other thing. If they lose this game and they look dreadful tonight, they're two and five. Trade deadline's November first. That's Uh-oh. the thing too. What do you think happens at that point in time? But do you uh, make JJ a JJ Watt? Do you DeAndre make a trade Hopkins? for a wide receiver two weeks before the trade deadline, knowing that this no. is entirely possible? No. Give up draft picks and then like about it? face? I don't think so what either. If, the JJ Watt name though is one that's already being talked about. If they're out of it, that's going to be a, a valuable piece that teams would want. I, and he's and played think, well this year. Yeah, and I think DeAndre Hopkins. People would love. There are already people in San Francisco. The 49ers are are rumored to be angling for Christian McCaffrey. So there's going to be movement, okay? The question becomes now, what if a team threw a – and I don't think it's going to happen now because of Kyler's level of play. What if a team offered a bunch of draft picks for a quarterback? When you hear all the speculation that the two parties might not really like each other all that much, do you think – They'd be tempted mm, straight up for Russell. Wilson. I don't think right. No, see that's ridiculous. <laughs> no, I don't think that's any, ridiculous. I don't think anybody around the league would be tempted to make that offer right now, based on what we've seen from Kyler Murray. Yeah, There's been I a step right. back from Kyler Murray I this think year. You're right. I think, and, and attached to that price tag, <laughs> yeah, that's so, that's not where you're going to yeah. get people lining up. Say I can fix him. Not at two hundred and thirty million dollars. <laughs> I think you're right. So I, I think even in the, that shows you how much he's kind of fallen. Yeah. Big game tonight, if you didn't know. I think it's a huge game tonight. (laughs) It's a big game. Win ugly if you have to. Coming up next, Sarah will take us through the big stories of the day. The Rush Hour reboot straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings. Live from the Octin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. I hope you all got some sleep after that Suns game last night. 
Sleep fast. Exactly. Sleep hard, sleep fast. Uh, because that, that alarm sure came early this morning. Oh. This is the Rush Hour Reboot. We get you caught up on all the top stories of the day here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. Vince Murata. How's your voice doing after last night, Vince? Pretty good. Yeah. I think it feels pretty good. I'm good. How, how do I sound? <laughs> no, I, Tremendous. I got through it. Yes. It was fun seeing you on the, on the television screen. And then Jared Carlin. Nobody's ever said that. <laughs> My cheeks were puckered a little bit. Ah, man. <laughs> I made it into the reboot. <laughs> so good. Uh, that is Monty Williams. We will get to that in just a second. Uh, but we are getting you through the top stories of the day, starting with the Phoenix Suns and their two-point win over the Dallas Mavericks to open up the season last night. Uh, I know this is cliche, but I'm going to say it was a tale of two halves, guys, between the Suns and the Mavericks. At Footprint Center, the Suns were down by double digits most of the second quarter and trailed by as much as 22 very early on in the third. Um, but they went on a few scoring runs in the third and then again in the fourth. And uh, as Jarrett Carlin just previewed there, Monty Williams said he was stressing out at halftime. I mean, we're down 17, so I'm sure my cheeks were puckered a little bit. I mean, it's, it's not a comfortable situation. You know, but that happens in the NBA. <laughs> Concern about the score, but more concerned with how we were playing. We were making so many mistakes on defense. We had the wrong guys rotating. Uh, Luca was stretching us out. We weren't blitzing him tonight. In case you're wondering, he's not talking about the cheeks on his face. Um, Monty Williams added that offensively there was just no rhythm in the first half. So, Dan Vince, I want to hear from you. What was the biggest difference to you guys from the first half Suns to the second half Suns? Energy and effort. I mean, they just came out flat. And I think energy can be affected, <clears throat> and certainly with this team. Yeah. Um, sure. if, this, if the shots aren't falling, that'll kill your energy pretty quick. And, yeah. and they just looked out of sorts, both offensively and defensively in the first yeah. half. I, I think it was stick-to-itiveness, and I think it was DeAndre uh, Ayton being on the floor yeah. in the second half. I, be, I think without him, the team was incredibly susceptible. And there was a time in the second quarter when, when Bismack Biombo got the ball in the post and tried to jump hook, and I'm like, that ain't it. Mm. That that's that's no no please we stop all, that no, please make that go away we all love biz but man that's hard to watch yeah that is hard to watch <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah just that the fact that they just found a way to get back into the game and then get back into the game and then steal it at the end if you want to call it that win it at the end if you want to call Look, it that i don't have a problem calling it a steal yeah. and you have to take those opportunities absolutely. when they arise and yeah. they took the first one run away with it absolutely they got outplayed for most of the game yeah uh, they with, withstood the christian wood 16 point run the barrage. Yes. All right, let's hone in on Chris Paul. A couple segments ago, you guys talked about him, but let's check back in since it is one of the biggest stories of the day. Uh, he left the game with 641 left in the fourth, right around the time that he would typically uh, get a few minutes of rest before closing time, but he did not come back in. Campaign was on the floor the rest of the way. Here is Monty Williams again explaining the situation. I tried to get him out around the 7-6 and give him a, about three minutes rest and then have him come in and close. Uh, Cam did such a good job uh, with that group. That group as a whole was pretty good on both ends, and so I just rolled with it. Six points on the night for Chris Paul, nine assists, two steals, three turnovers. If Chris Paul is no longer the CP3 that we're accustomed to, like the point guard, right? 
If he does take a step back this season, can the Suns still be a major title Ooh. contender? How big is that step? I mean, we've seen players, when they get up there in years, the game doesn't totally pass them by. It's just their level of dominance becomes more infrequent. Yeah. I think Kobe Bryant is a perfect example. Exactly. At the end of his career, he would have games where he was just not it. And then his last game, he scored 60 points. Now, that well, was, everyone let him. was very special. Everyone special special circum. But who could, <laughs> honestly, at that age, with that much wear on the tires, who could step up and do that? Even Only when, Kobe. When, yeah. Yeah. No, I, you, yeah. no, you're right. You you're become right. great once every four games instead of Yeah, and that game. becomes very yeah. noticeable in basketball. Um, the thing that concerns me, too, is if you look where the shots, he took sh- six shots. And, you know, Chris Paul can wear out those elbows, especially that right elbow. He took one shot from that area and, yeah. and missed it. Um, that, yeah. that was what concerned me most. I want to see what he looks like tomorrow night in Portland. Yeah, listen, I, I think November 1st is about the time to really look at him and say, okay, what 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 are you now? Mm-hmm. Because I've seen him do this the last couple of years. Just ease his way into seasons. He comes and he doesn't have that kind of twitchy quickness. And then, then he's got it. And his body gets to find. He kind of lets the opening... Eight to ten games of the NBA season, basically, as as his tarmac, if you will. Yeah, for the he season. slow rolls it a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, right. And so he slow rolls it a little bit. So I, I'm going to wait and see that. But like Vinny said, there was something a little bit uh, unnerving about that performance last night. It, it, but more to the point, the fact that Monty Williams was like, "Okay, we're down 12 with you." We're going to sub you out, and then, oh, but things are going so good, we're not bringing you back. That, that to me, is quite something. When he says, I want campaign on the floor right now. Monty Williams needs to do this, because one of my criticisms is there have been too many player-driven decisions here. At some point in time, you've got to, you've got to tell Chris Paul what's what. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're going to try to monitor his minutes this year, yes. it's, yeah. he's going to have to tell him what's what. Oh, that's going to be a tough conversation. All right, mm-hmm. let's quickly squeeze in. Oh, there's a football game tonight, guys. The Cardinals and the Saints at tonight? State Farm Stadium. It is tonight. I double-checked. Uh, Thursday night football at State Farm Stadium. It is the long-awaited return of DeAndre Hopkins. He has not played a game since December of last year. There was the six-game suspension, but he also missed some games at the end of last year due to injury. And Cliff Kingsbury said yesterday he doesn't think Hopkins will be on a snap count. Uh, we talked about it, and he just rolled his eyes at me. So <laughs> we'll see how he feels. Yeah, we'll see. Robbie Anderson potentially will be out there in a limited capacity TBD, says Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, Quickly, what are you guys expecting from the Cardinals' offense in this game? Well, you think about uh, Robbie Anderson. I appreciate his willingness to to, to step on the field and play, but if this team barely practiced at all going into this game, then it's real hard to get him uh, acclimated to what they're you know attempting to do. So I I don't see much from that. But I do see DeAndre Hopkins making an impact somehow, some way, because he's an elite talent, and it's it might take him a while. But but if they get into the red zone, he can make a big difference there. He can sure. he can solve the he can he can solve these questions of do we go for it on fourth down or do we kick a field goal because you're not in that position. Mm-hmm. Matt Prater questionable by the way. Um, yeah, that's truly going to be a game time decision. Going back to the Robbie Anderson question. How much of the offense do you need to know to just run by a cornerback? Probably not. And stretch, right. stretch Probably the field not. a Go few times. Field. That may be the limited role if he does play. It's just, hey, run some deep routes, see what happens. 
They need to hit one of those in the worst way. I mean, Kyler Murray's numbers on passes of 15 or more air yards have been awful this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to add that element or else this offense is going nowhere. So maybe we see it a couple times. Uh, and I think, you know, the unknown of how they're going to use Robbie Anderson could work to their advantage, too, just from messing with the heads of, of the Saints defensively. So so we'll see. Um I don't have a great feeling. It was, last week was so ugly. How, how much better can it get in one? Yeah. In, in last week, four, four days or last whatever. Last week you had a good feeling. And I know, yeah. Oh, oh, gosh. Don't trust your feelings, Murata. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. We're all rebooted. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up, more on the Suns' emotional season opening win over the Dallas Mavericks at Footprint Center. That is straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Thursday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley, Vince Morata. Bickley and Morata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. How many games have you been to here? A few. A few? The past three years it's been rocking, man. Every every game. They don't they don't blow around here. They don't blow Love that from Devin Booker last night. A reporter asked, "Hey, what'd you think of the crowd tonight?" <laughs> he immediately turns the uh, the question around. Yeah. Uh, Devin Booker did a lot last night, and I think one of the moments we really haven't talked about about last night's game, Bick, was there was a little bit of a hush in the arena when Devin Booker went down mm-hmm. and was grabbing the ankle, and you're like, "Oh, no. oh, here yeah. we go." Mm-hmm. And Monty Williams was substituting, and then late in that process. Called on Damian Lee to go get Devin Booker. And you're thinking, yeah, that's probably the right thing to do. And in today's NBA, today's athletics, anytime there's an injury, you normally will see a guy come out and then assess it. Yeah. Devin Booker went co- totally old school there. Yeah. And literally brushed off, off his head coach yeah. and waved Damian yeah. Lee back to the bench and stayed in there. And then played a brilliant fourth quarter. He did. Um, that was a big thing. You know, statistically, you'll look at that and say, what was it, 28 and, and, and what, eight assists, whatever it was. And you'll look at it and say, oh, that was a pretty good game for Book. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of other underlying stuff from Devin Booker last night that was very promising. Like what? Like that fourth quarter uh, performance where he got others involved. The chemistry he had with DeAndre Ayton late mm-hmm. in, in getting those assists and keeping Ayton involved that on was big, big buckets. Yeah, The last big. possession, not once, but twice giving the ball up and not playing a hero ball, which, let's be honest, Devin Booker has been... Prone to do that in the past, especially mm-hmm. if Chris Paul's not a factor. He a lot of times would say, I'm going to make this happen, and he deferred twice yeah. and got rewarded because a, a new teammate playing his first game hit the biggest shot of the game. That 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 narrative, though, cuts both ways. If, if you're a, an elite superstar player and you give up a shot in a game-winning situation and you give it to the wrong guy and they don't make oh, it. Oh, absolutely. It cuts both ways. I, so, remember, I remember in the NBA Finals mm-hmm. once, LeBron giving up a shot oh, yeah. to Kyle Korver oh, who yeah. missed that shot, and, and, and LeBron got, got a lot of criticism got for killed. it. Even though many said statistically it was the right play to do. Yeah, so, so, so I think in the context of building a team, growing a team, uh, that I, yeah, I think that was definitely um, a good thing to see because this basketball team, I'm sure, feels better about Damian Lee today than it did yesterday, you know? 
and and it's and I think that that's it's it's a new piece and it's a piece that when given an opportunity did not hesitate to take huge shots and made them. Yeah. Would, would you be surprised if he goes one of eight? No, next game, no, 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 listen, no, no, I don't, no. Don't don't get me wrong. No, no, I, 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 not, yeah. I am not sitting here going, oh, James Jones just unearthed the diamond. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Or hey, now the Suns have I've, three closers I've, at the end of games. No. I've talked to enough real smart basketball people about Damian Lee to know there's some real good stuff, and there's he's an, he's been an end of the bench guy, and and don't conflate Steph Curry going crazy with anything other than they are blood, they're related, it's their brother in laws, and it's it's a great story, but I I also do think there's something to having a guy that's been in that culture, I that's worth something to me. Yeah, it's it's one thing to pluck a guy from a one-time championship team, but Lee had been with the, the, the Warriors through good times and bad, by the way. Yeah. So he kind of hooked on with them when things were bleak, and they went through that injury-plagued year where Curry was out, and they won, what, 15 games or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. So he's seen both sides. Uh, Damian Lee himself talked about what he did last night, and that is make a good first impression on this fan base. I mean, what they think is what they think. I'm, I'm, I'm here for a reason, which is to compete at a high level, uh, be a great support member, whether it's come off the bench, start, whatever it is for this team, and give it my all. Um, obviously, I've been embraced ever since the day I signed. Fans, you know, social media and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I just try to lock in on the task at hand, which is trying to get as many wins as possible yeah. and try to be the last team standing. It wasn't the normal looking lineup. You'll see it end of games for no, the Suns no, when guys are healthy, no. but, but Chris Paul wasn't out there. We talked about that. Cam Johnson, who was in the starting lineup last night, had to leave with about nine and a half minutes to go, and it didn't look good. No. Uh, but when he walked by the scorer's table and he was not, not moving well, went right to the locker room, and you're like, oh, man. And then you hear it was just cramping, mm-hmm. which is good. Um, and, and Cam Johnson did kind of reassure people after the game. Are you going to be good to go? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just checking. Are you guys ever cramped up? Yes. You'll be fine. Not like that. <laughs> I'm cramped up. I mean, before, no, we're not here. I'm athlete. You sleep your cat. I'm fine. Just it's yeah. I could play tomorrow. I could probably play again tonight at some point. It just takes a second for everything that we do to kick in. Okay. You know, push your fluids, IV, whatever it may take. It'll get it out. But if you put something in your stomach, it don't get to your muscle tissue immediately. You know, to relieve it. So I, it's how much time is left in the game. And I've I've had this before. Um, you know, we have plenty of measures that I take every day to not be in the situation. Game one, adrenaline pumping, probably just got me a little bit. But I, I'll, I'll take care of it, reassess my uh, my plan to not cramp, and try to limit further games like that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you don't want that happening with a guy that you just gave a, a job in the starting lineup to. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want a guy cramping up. No. And miss, no, you don't want that happening. Yeah, his first his first game as the closer. You know, yeah. in the closing lineup. Uh-huh. Yeah. He, right. He's cramping. Oh my cramps. <laughs> They're broken. They're cramping. <laughs> uh, can I ask you a question real yeah, quick? Yeah. Um, we're at 7.53. We're almost halfway through the show. Are you proud of me? For what? I haven't taken a shot at anybody on the Dallas roster yet. <laughs> oh, a certain character. That... <laughs> if you want to, go ahead. Did you notice Wait, anything? Flopping, complaining. No... Uh, oh, anything? my goodness. Walking every single time he drives the to the fact, basket. It was... <laughs> It was very satisfying for a lot of Suns fans last night to see Luca lose his cool to the point where he got called for a technical. Should he have been called for a tee? I didn't see it in real time. I went back and watched the replay this morning. Luca got called with a tee with a minute 38 to go after the Suns were making a run. 
And the technical free throw by Booker turned out to be huge in the outcome of this game. Mm-hmm. I didn't see where the ball went. We know. I thought the officials were had hair trigger whistles last night. They were calling. They, they were blowing a lot of whistles yeah. last night. Yeah, I, I don't. They, they were anticipating something. They were anticipating some uh, something. I don't know if Luca. If that was a culmination technical because he does complain a lot. I don't know if on its own though that mm-hmm. was that was deserving of a technical foul. What do you think? It, no, not necessarily. I, I I think like you said, I think these this officiating crew was just really they were just really on it in terms of although I, I, in, and, in officiating Luca, look he's a superstar. Superstars get liberties in the NBA. Some of the leeway he had on on carrying the basketball yeah. and switching pivot feet yeah. on, on uh, just obvious traveling stuff that was let go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, listen, I. I I get it. It's an easy game when you can I, walk. I, well, I get it. I understand that. I also think he's a fabulous talent. He I is. love watching him play. He is. I, I think you got that game from the referees because Adam Silver. You see that guy, Adam Silver, Jared? Well, he was he, he at the, he was at the game. Right? He was Adam in the Silver building. Was yeah. in attendance oh, last night. That so don't think when the commissioner is sitting courtside. Well, he wasn't courtside, but he was close. Don't think when the commissioner is at a game that it doesn't affect the way the game is called. Yes, it does. Everybody, yeah, the boss is watching. They, oh, exactly. Yeah. Everything yeah. gets buttoned up to Look, the nines. We thought we were going to get admonished because the commissioner was there. That maybe the music was too loud during timeouts. But apparently, Commish, oh, really? Commish Silver was feeling it. Does Not this, one word. I don't, vibes. I, don't, I mean this without any snark or anything. How does he look? Have you seen this guy? No, no. How does he look in person? He looks like Adam Silver. What do you mean? He looks different <laughs> on television. People say like, oh, he does. You know, he, he looks, looks actually like he looks more... more normal in person. Okay, that's, that's what I was pre- getting. I've at. been in many press conferences with him. He doesn't quite look as ghoulish, if you will. Okay, good. Yeah, the, camera's, good. the camera's not nice. <laughs> the camera right. subtracts sixty pounds from your face. I guess. <laughs> the camera adds ten heads. What? I mean, he looks different. <laughs> so it, it, to, to wrap the bow on this, I, I think that I, I really like it, it, what Devin Booker said about the crowd and because I really believe that even though he wouldn't go there I think Devin Booker had that I'm getting revenge this game and from not coming out after uh-huh. he tweaked his ankle uh-huh. to, to just being solid from start to finish he, he was that to was staying a, engaged the whole game even it, when they were getting blown out yeah to not you know mail in the second half and again this basketball team with its flopping and its grimacing it's gonna drive me insane but that that's that that's the Luca thing. Luca does so much of that too, and then then his and all the stuff that he's doing gets you. It yes, I, I agree with you. That area, that element of Luca's game, I can't stand. The whining. He's as bad as Tim Duncan used to be. And look, I'm not. This it's is his incessant. personality. It's but incessant. He also has the the when things are going well, the perma smile. Yeah, a little oh, snarky smile. So yeah. and he and yeah. it doesn't go away. But, He'll be playing defense with a giant smile on his face. But, it's so frustrating. But I but I don't mind that. See that that to me, I'm like, okay, that's that, he he is he's a tough dude. And that's part of the swag too well, of being right. an NBA and the, superstar. And the thing that sets him apart, he's such a good rebounder, and he doesn't get any credit. For, well, I won't say he doesn't get any credit for it, but well, he's a very good rebounder. When mm-hmm. you think Luca, that's not the first thing you think of his rebounding. No. No, so so, but but I, but I he is yes, I agree with you. He's very very aggravating in between whistles to watch. Yes, very. Coming up next, Bick kicks off the second half of the Thursday show with the blast. That is straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.